Hey, you found us. This is a podcast of Carbon Valley Lutheran Church in Firestone, Colorado, just north of Denver. We here at CVL firmly believe that community is built, not found, that it's local, not virtual. So we encourage everyone to find a local church and help them build their community and be a service to them. With that said, we pray that these podcasts supplement and not replace your spiritual journey. If you'd like to learn more about us at CVL, you can check us out on Facebook or on the web at carbonchurch.com, or even better, stop by in person. We worship at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings. May the Lord bless your day. We begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, on this wonderful, beauty, beautiful Sunday morning. Uh, so happy to see all of you here. Uh, today we're going to talk specifically about um, what it means to live life in the vine. So what does it mean? Um, what Put it this way, what naturally happens in the life of a Christian when we are connected and rooted deeply into Christ? That's what we want to look at here today. Um, and there could, this couldn't be more timely of a, of a text. Um, it's in the, the normal, what we call the pericope or lectionary that it comes up. But uh, it's a wonderful, timely text because what is happening to all of your yards and to our church property right now? Things are starting to grow. And the first things that grow are weeds, right? Dandelions, yeah, yeah. So the good stuff comes in a little bit, right? But, but it, the first stuff that tends to come up are those weeds. They seem to have an inexhaustible uh, um, ability to find water and to exist, right? Uh, if you walk around our property, which I do not advise you to do, um, and if you let your kids wander off more than like 10 feet off of the sidewalks, they'll come back with their feet just coated in goat heads. So um, goat heads have an incredible ability to grow. Uh, and today's kind of a good, a good day. Oops, this is the dangers of, of uh, worship outside. So set that there. We're going to just put a bunch of grapes on that. I'll take care of that. Uh, but this is a good time. This springtime, things are starting to grow. And so in our text, Jesus talks specifically and uses that illustration of, of a, a grapevine and growth in the life of a Christian. But here's my question for you. Um, do you have a green thumb? Some of you good at it? Some of you are. Like you could, that's okay. You could say, yeah, I'm, pr- I'm pretty good at it. My, my mom had a, an incredible ability uh, to grow things. So in our house, outside, everywhere... Um, she just makes, she like makes everything grow and she makes things grow in such abundance that like when, if you go visit my mom, she'll send you home with like uh, cardboard boxes full of like perennials and like other plants and like just all over the place. I would have thought that would have been a little bit genetic. (laughs) Does not seem to be genetic at all Um, because I have an incredible ability to kill things. So even after I go to a nursery and I ask them, I say, okay, what are the rules? What do you got to do for this thing? How do I got to talk to it? Like, should I play music? Should I do all these things? I, I try to do and follow all the rules and, and somehow things just do not grow for me. Here's the good news. When we talk about the life of a Christian, um, it doesn't depend on how green your thumb is or not, Right? Um, When we talk about life as a Christian, when we talk about growing in our faith day by day, it doesn't have anything to do with whether you can maintain a garden or you can't. It's got everything to do with Jesus. Jesus calls himself the true vine in our text here today. 
Um, and it's, it's a really wonderful illustration because it's one that, that those that he was speaking to would have known intimately. Uh, there are vines in our world that are really, really old. Did you know the Guinness Book of World Records for the oldest fruit-producing vine in the world? It's got a really fancy name. It's called the Old Vine. Yeah. So I have a feeling like they came up with the name before they had like, like focus groups and stuff like that. What should we call this thing? It's, well, it's really old. Well, let's just call it the old vine. Okay. So the old vine, um, some of you are going to be able to see some of these pictures uh, on our screen here. The old vine uh, is located in Mariba, Slovenia. So Slovenia is south of Austria and it is 400 years old. So it is not, and let me say the Guinness Book of World Records, it's not the oldest vine, but this is why it's, I think it's important for us today. It's the oldest fruit-producing vine in the world. So for 400 years, this vine has been producing grapes. Now, think historically a little bit at what that vine has seen. Like the incredible things that it's existed through. So the first thing was that that, that vine got a little bit lucky when it was planted. It was actually planted against the city wall, so against a stone wall. And so um, in the, the late Middle Ages, what often ravaged cities were fires. So one building after another would just burn to the ground, but the old vine was up against a stone wall. And so when, when fires would completely burn the city to the ground, you know what survived? The old vine in the wall, right? So the old vine kept, kept existing. So... Um, in the 1800s, there was a, a speci specific parasite that killed off almost all of the fruit-producing vines in that part of Europe. And you want to know who survived it? The old vine. Yeah. Um, and they think specifically in that case that that vine uh, had its roots deep down into the, the river that was real nearby. And so it was able to kind of weather that parasite and exist and keep on going. During World War II, when the entire city was almost, was raised, was almost just, just completely flattened, the old vine survived, right? It was a little bit singed, it was a little bit beat up, but it, it existed. Um, actually, the biggest, the biggest threat to the old vine actually came in the 1960s and 70s, uh, where it just kind of fell into disrepair, like people stopped taking care of it. And then they put a, a dam upstream and that changed some of the water flow for the root system for this vine. So uh, in late 1970, they had to perform what they called the big cut. So can you imagine what the big cut was? Yeah, again, they just cut off lots of parts of the, the old vine, right? So, um, but doing so, pruning it back, scaling it back, guess what? It survived. And so you have that vine and you have that, that trunk of it that's there and that has continuously produced grapes for 400 years. And if you see some of the pictures, this last one right here, it's probably the best one. The, uh, the, the stalk is right in the middle, but it goes almost a whole city block length of, of production, of greenery, of grapes that are hanging off of that vine. I think it makes a really good illustration for what Jesus is talking to us about here today. All of that greenery, all of those grapes, we can make the argument none of them matter if the trunk, if the vine isn't rooted into something that's healthy. Jesus says the very same thing is true for us as believers. But the opposite is true as well. When we are rooted, when we are planted into something that is life-giving, 
what naturally happens in the life of a Christian is we produce fruit, fruit to our God's glory. So that's what we want to look at here today. Um, our theme is going to simply be life in the vine. So what does that mean for us to be connected to Christ and to the vine? And I've got three points I want to talk about. I stole these from somebody else, but I thought they were so clever that I'm going to use them for our three parts of our sermon today. We'll first look at in whom we're planted, then we'll look at being pruned, and then we'll look at our production. So planted, pruned, and production. Sound good? Okay. So that's what we're going to go through here today. You're welcome to follow along with me in your bulletins or on the screen if you'd like. Uh, we're going to kind of go through our, our verses, and Jesus is telling an illustration and a story to his disciples. So think, think of it this way. Um, sometimes stories are very, very kind of top-down linear, but sometimes stories are are a little bit circular. So Jesus does that in our text. First half of our text, second half of our text. He starts with a point and kind of goes around in a circle. Then he does it again just to drive home the point. So when I read our lesson today, we're going to kind of take one verse and another verse and kind of go through it, go through it that way. So uh, for a little bit of, of background and context as to what's happening in our text here today, though, it's a, it's a beautiful timing. It would have been a natural timing for Jesus to use this illustration of being the true vine for his disciples. That's who he's talking to in our text today. Uh, specifically to the 12 disciples that had followed him and his ministry. And this takes place on a night we call Monday Thursday. Okay? So if you remember Holy Week, we celebrated it not too long ago, right? But Monday Thursday was the night that Jesus celebrated the Passover meal with his disciples. So at that Passover meal... What was present? Fruit of the vine. <laughs> Wine, right? And so after Jesus celebrates the Passover meal with his disciples, he and his disciples leave and go to the Garden of Gethsemane. And so it's there uh, on Monday, Thursday, in the Garden of Gethsemane that Jesus tells them and uses this illustration of a grapevine. And so you've got to think like Jesus is walking along and he's like, okay, this will work, <laughs> right? He's walking along in the Garden of Gethsemane there's olive trees around. Maybe there's grapevines around as well. And he says, okay, I think I can get across to these guys what they need to know and what they're going to need to know because in one day, I'll give up my life on the cross for them. And so along with our text last week, we heard at least two times Jesus said, I am. Um, sometimes people call these the, the I am statements of Jesus. Today we're doing the same thing. Two times he's going to say, I am. I am the vine in, in our case here today. And it's Jesus making a point. He's making a point because he knows that he's not going to physically be with his disciples very much longer. In fact, in one day, he will be arrested. That night, actually, he would be arrested. In one day, he would be crucified on the cross. Jesus knows how difficult the months and weeks and years are going to be for his disciples coming, going forward. And so... Jesus is an amazing teacher, uses this illustration of a vine. Now, it makes a lot of sense. If somebody asks you what you do, what do you say to them? Thinking, thinking, here's what you do. Okay, if you are in aeronautics, if you're in finance, if you are a teacher, if you are in sales, if you are in the uh, medical world, what else do we have? If, if, if you're in any of these fields and somebody says, huh, what do you do? What you do is you, you kind of do a, a little bit of a, you kind of check them out a little bit, right? 
you ascertain exactly who you're talking to. So like if I asked you, you'd look at me and be like, this guy, I do not think he's going to get it. Like, he does not look like he's someone that knows aeronautics or finance. Both of those statements are true. <laughs> but we do, we do that, we, we try to ascertain just a little bit because you, 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 you love what you do and you want to share what you do and you want to communicate clearly, but you know that your listener maybe, maybe isn't able to understand all the nuances of exactly what you do. And so what do you, what do, you do? You boil it down, right? You try to simplify it for them. You try to boil it down so that you can accurately communicate. I think that's what Jesus is doing for his disciples and for us here today. Because there's tons that we could go into when we talk about coming to faith, staying in faith, remaining in that faith, producing fruits of faith, like this whole, this whole journey of what it means to be a Christian, right? Through the work of the Holy Spirit, hearts are changed, lives are changed, we live our lives in glory to Christ. Like, Pastors have entire classes and, and graduate work study on these things. But I think what's beautiful about Jesus for you here today is he just comes with an illustration and he says the Christian life is like this. I am the vine, you are the branches. Vines that are, are planted in, in good soil with water and light and branches that extend out from those do what they're made to do, they produce fruit. I think at the very least, that's what we can leave here today with. Right? Jesus uses just a beautifully clear, organic illustration of what the life of a believer looks like. So let's take a look at it. We're going to start out with uh, two verses here. Uh, let's see. We are going to read verses... 1 and 5, and we're going to talk just a little bit about in whom we're planted. So verses 1 through 5, or 1 and 5 rather. Jesus says this, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. And he comes back around to it in verse 5. He says again, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So what is Jesus? What's the point of this illustration? What's he talking about here? Well, to put it bluntly, for us as believers, if and when we are planted deeply into the grace and the forgiveness of Christ, we'll have life. That's as simple as it is, isn't it? Jesus says, as we plant ourselves deeply into him, in his word, into his love, into his forgiveness, into the reality of the life that he is about to give for his disciples and that he did give for you and I, as we plant our roots deeply into Christ, will flourish, right? It's essentially what Jesus is saying here. Now here's why we can't skip over that and why we can't fast forward that because um, when the kids came up, you want to know what they looked at and what they named the entire thing? Well, grapes. It was, they were grapes, Right? And I wonder if at times we as Christians don't fall into that same temptation. Because we all want the fruits, right? We all want the fruits. We all want the grapes. We all want what they produce. And at times I fear that in our lives we, we tend to, to short shrift where we get our nutrients from. And in this case, it's Christ. 
Nothing more and nothing less. Sometimes I think we focus so much on the fruits. We look at the end result and what grows from the vine that we completely set aside or minimize where those nutrients actually come from. And so we cannot pass over this quickly. It's Jesus. That's it. And this may sound like a simplistic statement, but if you're not planted in Jesus... You're not actually a Christian. Okay? If you're not planted in Christ and in his forgiveness, you are not actually a believer in Christ or one of his disciples. Now again, that may sound simplistic, but sometimes I think we're a little too quick to dance over that. And even in our lives, we say, well, I want to be this. I want to have... And and we're going to get to the fruit at the end of our sermon but even when I read Galatians, say, oh, I wish I, I wish I had more self-control. I wish I had more patience. I wish I had, had all these things that we yearn and we want and we grasp. And that's what we do because that's who we are as Americans, right? Because we, we want to get to those things. But brothers and sisters, we cannot skip over the life giver and the vine and Christ. He gave his life for you so your sins would be washed clean. He gave his life so that you would be changed, not just constrained. And here's the difference in those two. Christ wants you changed, not just constrained. You can, be, you, can be, um, you can morally constrain your life to look a certain way. You can follow a right set of rules of do this, don't do that. And they may be Christian looking rules of do this, don't do that. You can, you can constrain your life to these moral rights and wrongs. And there are those that sometimes do that. And yet their hearts are not actually changed or planted in Christ. Now I argue one produces the other, right? But ultimately Jesus wants our hearts changed to be planted deeply in his grace, to understand just how sinful we are, but just how glorious and magnificent he is and that he has washed every last one of those sins away. And that does something to us. That changes us from the inside out. So ultimately, our true vine wants change, internal heart change, not just moral constraint on the outside. So that's the very first one we're, we're getting at. We talk about we need to be planted in Christ in order to find real Christian change. But there's also some pruning that happens. So let's continue on. I'm going to read for you uh, verses 2 and 6. 2 and 6 of our text. Jesus says this, He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will become even more fruitful. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Now, this is probably the hardest part of this, this illustration, because you're sitting there and we're reading this illustration. We're like, man, I don't know about that pruning part, pastor, right? I don't know about that, like, thrown into the fire part. Like, Jesus is being kind of, like, kind of harsh there. He's being realistic, isn't he? Incredibly transparent, isn't he? Because let me, let me tell you a, a not-so-secret secret. Everyone gets pruned. All of you get pruned. Pain and suffering, disease, 
job loss, relationships that tear apart, families that disown one another, every single one of you get pruned. In fact, some of you sitting here today maybe feel as though you've just lost an arm or a leg with the sorrow and the, and the hurt that is heavy upon your shoulders. So the reality of it is, both believer and unbeliever alike, everyone in this world gets pruned. You want to know why? Because sin is present. It's present in you. It's present in me. It's present in our world. And it does things that hurt. And so Jesus is simply recognizing that fact when he talks to his disciples. He says, uh, um, pruning is going to happen. But here's the real beautiful thing that Jesus says to us today. That pruning that happens in the life of a Christian, Christ will use to strengthen you. Remember the old vine? Remember the big cut that it had to have? It came back even stronger, right? It came back even healthier. Pruning, we know, on some level is necessary for continued growth. Jesus says to you, he says, doesn't put us into that pain and sorrow, but he says, I will use it for your strength, for your glory, for your strength, or for your, for your, your future, right? So, and then we get to the last one, boy, and sometimes I think, uh, sometimes I think God speeds up my sermon. So, he's saying, he's saying, Tim, get to the point, which I'm going to get to, because we're going to get to our last one here. Uh, being productive. We'll read verses 7 and 8. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And that's really where we get to. In the life of a Christian, as we are planted deeply into him, what does a tree that gets what it needs, that has the nutrition it's meant to have, do? You don't have to tell it to produce fruit. You don't have to coax it into producing fruit. It just produces fruit in an organic way. Same is true for us in our lives as Christians. The amazing thing, Apostle Paul in Galatians, so Jesus says, produce fruit, and just kind of throws it out there and leaves it there, um, which is wonderful. But then the Apostle Paul picks it up and says, okay, here's some specific examples of what Christian fruit can look like so Galatians 3 or 5, 22 to 23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That sounds like pretty good fruit, right? You want to know what's kind of amazing? Read through your Bibles, especially the New Testament. Almost every time the New Testament talks about fruit and, and attaches it to, to things that are produced in a Christian life, Every single time, it's character things. It's character issues, right? Paul never talks about fruit and the size of your bank account. Paul never talks about fruit and uh, how lofty your career is, right? Um, whenever the Bible talks about the fruit of Christian living, it's always quality and character things. And what's harder to nourish and to produce? Patience? Or more money in finances. I'd argue you can make more money. In truth, you can. You're talented people. You can make lots and lots of money. But patience, love, forbearance, kindness, those things are a little bit harder to produce, aren't they? 
And so I think it is telling that when Jesus says produce fruit and Paul says these are the fruits of being a Christian, it's the long growing hard things, quality issues, right? But that's exactly what we can expect. In fact, that's what we pray for and what we go to our God for, right? We thank him for his life-giving forgiveness. We plant ourselves deeply into his word and with other believers. We ask him to produce that fruit in us, to exhibit that fruit in our lives with one another and with those that are outside of our lives. So when Jesus uses the illustration of a vine and its fruit for a Christian life, I think it's spot on because it's you and it's me planted deeply into Christ. Amen.